I know I've been asking you a lot of questions lately, but I have another question for you. This is a new one. Are you a sage leader? Do you even know what a sage leader is? When I first heard the term sage leader, I thought, I know this is a good thing, but I'm not quite sure what it is or what a sage leader does. Well, that is exactly why we're here now. In the next 30 minutes, you're going to learn not only what a sage leader is, but how you can communicate like a sage leader. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 99. Yes, 99. In this episode, we're focusing on communicating as a sage leader. You're going to hear from executive coach Angie Alexander, who coaches executives on sage leadership. At the end of the episode, I'm going to summarize with three things that you can keep in mind that you can start doing right now to ensure that you're communicating as a sage leader. Are you ready? Before I go any further, though, let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. I'm the founder of Talk About Talk, and I'm your communication coach. If you're an ambitious executive with a growth mindset looking to advance your career, then you're in the right place. At Talk About Talk, we focus on communication skills like storytelling, confidence, networking, and yes, communication skills for leaders. These are the skills that will take you from a strong B plus in your career to an A plus. And if you check out the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find online courses, corporate workshops, one-on-one coaching with me, the archive of this bi-weekly podcast, and the free weekly communication skills newsletter. I really hope you'll go to the website and sign up for that free weekly communication skills training newsletter right now. So welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 99, focused on sage leadership. I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend, executive coach, Angie Alexander. She focuses her coaching on helping executives become sage leaders. Gosh, that sounds like something I'd like to become. So let's get into it. I'm going to briefly introduce Angie, and then we're going to get straight into the interview. And at the end, as I said, as always, I'm going to summarize with key learnings. So you can just keep doing whatever you're doing, whether you're going for a walk, whether you're driving the car, whether you're doing housework, or whether you're just lying on the couch. There's no need for you to take notes because I do that for you. You're welcome. Okay, let me introduce Angie Alexander. Angie is a certified mental fitness coach with skills in organizational effectiveness, facilitation, decision analysis, process design and improvement, change management, and project management. She has a passion for bringing teams together to work more effectively, make better decisions, be more innovative, and think more strategically. Angie's people skills are her superpower. But what makes Angie stand out from the rest is she can also talk the technical stuff. She's a professional engineer with over 20 years experience in the Western Canadian oil and gas industry, and she earned her engineering degree from McGill. Lately, she's been coaching executives, many of whom are also engineers, and she also hosts a weekly mental fitness and sage leadership room in the Thought Leadership Branding Club on the Clubhouse app. If you want to check that out or connect with her, all of her coordinates are in the show notes for this episode. Today, we're fortunate to have Angie here to share her insights on communication skills for sage leaders. 
Thank you so much, Angie, for joining us here today to talk about communication skills for leaders. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. Okay. (laughs) My first question for you is, what communication skills do you think set apart the most effective leaders versus less effective leaders? You know, so many leaders think they're good communicators because they tell people stuff, right? They tell them. And I think effective leaders think a little bit about their audience and they engage their audience, they can engage their team. And it's not just about a tell, it's about listening. So um, leaders who are more empathetic and more vulnerable in their communication are better communicators. And typically those that aren't great communicators, they're only thinking through their own lens. They think that their communication style is the communication style. And that if I'm communicating this way, you're going to understand what I'm saying. And they're not necessarily appreciating the fact that we tend to hear through our own lens. And if my lens is different than your lens, it's not going to learn the same. But it's really that empathy and the understanding of others' way of thinking their communication styles and meeting them versus just assuming that my communication style is the same as yours. And therefore, you will completely understand what I'm saying. I have to say, Angie, I love your answer. I, I've noticed people generally, when they think about communication, they think about projecting, right? They think about being the communicator means the person that's doing the talking. And right. here, here we are on the Talk About Talk podcast, but a big part of it for really, truly effective communication is listening and the empathy and everything that you were talking about. So I just, I have to say, so insightful. It's not obvious. Right. And I don't know if you ever took uh, psychology or any communication courses in university, but they talk about the encoder and the decoder. And if we're not talking about both of those, then we're missing half of the equation. So this is huge insight. It's fundamental. You mentioned the term vulnerable, being vulnerable. So the best leaders, when they communicate, they are vulnerable. Can you extrapolate a little bit on that? Yeah, I'm sure a few of the folks listening to us just had a like either a throw up a little in your mouth or, (laughs) you know, a quiver or something that's like, there's no way. Vulnerability gets a bad rap. It's so often equated with weakness. And, you know, if I show any vulnerability, I'm weak. And that certainly shows up in leaders, you know, particularly like I work in oil and gas. So it's a very old boys network kind of thing. Lots of very male dominated. So for men to think about being vulnerable is, or, or women in leadership in those, in those roles, or they see vulnerable, like vulnerability is about sharing everything. It's finding that line between oversharing, which isn't really about being vulnerable, but it's, it's okay to, to say, this is what I'm working on. It's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to figure it out together. I think a lot of times leaders are afraid if I say I don't know the answer or if I show that I'm uncomfortable or I show that I'm scared or whatever it is, that people aren't going to trust me to lead them and keep them safe. The reality is as soon as there's any chink in the armor, they're going to be like, wait a second, what's going on? Whereas if you share a little bit of your flaws, I I like to coach people in, in, in the group sessions that I do. I talk a lot about vulnerability in sharing and how it's contagious. So if, if you share a little bit, I'm more likely to share a little bit. As a coach, I'll share um, in, that, in that space. But I encourage people to share 10% outside their comfort zone. Mm. It's not about like, I'm comfortable here and I'm asking you to share 
way out here, which is way outside your comfort zone. So let's not judge each other's vulnerability, but let's just know that, that I'm stretching myself a little outside my own comfort zone, whatever that might look like. So for a, a leader who's never shared anything with their team about anything, for them to admit that they have a dog that they love to you know, sit down on the couch and cuddle with might feel very vulnerable compared to the person who's always sharing about their pets. And now they're, they're sharing something else that's a, a little more vulnerable. So it's just showing a little piece of yourself to others. Hmm. I love your distinction between oversharing, perhaps in terms of transparency and giving people an unfiltered view of every aspect of your life, right? There's that right. versus you reminded me of the term psychological safety. So I've, I've been working with some clients in, in terms of optimizing psychological safety in their organizations. And this relates to, you said, leaders are supposed to imbue trust and make us feel safe. But right. safe, to your point, does not mean perfect, right? Right, right. And what does perfect mean? It means right. different things to each of us. But it's the fact that, you know, we can't control everything. So you know, for a leader to be able to say, here's the things that we can't control, you know, like, sure, this worries me a little bit, but here's what we can control. Right. So I think as a leader, we're not just saying, oh, Hey, like, here's all the things that can go wrong. And here's what I'm worried about. But, but then to take that and say, okay, we can do this together. Like how empowering is that when a leader says, I'm not sure that we know that I have the answer for that. But I know that as a group, we can do that. I know that as a team, mm -hmm. we can do this together, right? But to be able to say, I will pull everyone together and give you the space that you need to do what you need to do, I think is, is, really, is really valuable. So you're reminding me again, and I didn't see this coming when we were talking about this interview in advance, Angie, <laughs> as you know, but I, I wasn't thinking about the overlap between this discussion and psychological safety. But one of the tenets of psychological safety is that it is one of those rare factors in organizations that is top-down. So the leader has to create an environment and to demonstrate themselves a culture where you can be psychologically safe, where it is safe to be vulnerable, to use the mm -hmm. term that you just used, right? Mm -hmm. To admit that you don't know everything, to admit that you're afraid of something, to put your hand up and say, I'm not sure the direction we're headed is right here, or have we considered like all these things, they scare people back yeah. to your safe point. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And the other thing I wanted to highlight was, I think the other thing that you're talking about might be articulated in terms of a growth mindset. So yes. people that have a growth mindset aren't afraid to say, I don't know, but let's find out because yeah. I want to learn too. Yeah. It's a curiosity. It's an openness. You know, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. And it ties into something else that you and I have talked about in the past is improv is that ability to start on a path, have a structure, have a bit of a plan, but be willing to adjust as we go. It, you know, let's embark on this journey together, knowing that we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we're going to go in this direction. So as I'm listening to you sort of role play, what you would say, if you were the leader, I keep hearing we and us, as opposed mm -hmm. to I and you. And mm -hmm. of course I pay attention to words. Words really matter. They do. <laughs> and I keep hearing we, you're very 
inclusive. And I can imagine that that would be very motivating to hear a manager say, I'm not sure how this is going to work. We're going to need to figure this out. It's not, I'm going to figure this out and tell you what to do. It's not I and you, it's we and us. Yeah. You know, that's a, such a big part for me of, of leadership and the importance of we're in this together. I don't know. Part of it, I think, is I, I've never, you know, we, I've probably dealt a lot with my own imposter syndrome. So I'm like, I can't do this by myself. But having moved out of that and learning how to deal with that and tap into my own superpowers, maybe as a, as a leader is to, to realize that there is a lot of power in me and that, you know, at some point there's things I have to, as a leader, I, I have to own and I have to take on giving, being part of a team and being um, the, the leader of that team and inspiring that team to move forward. And you don't have to be the official leader to do that. People will rally around those that create that environment, um, whether you're a like leader on the org chart in the hierarchy or or not. We all have that ability to to lead through that inspiration and vulnerability and create that we can we can do this together uh, that's, environment. That's a really great point, though. I just want to underline that that when we say leaders, we don't mean the person with the status at the very top of the organization. We mean anyone who has the opportunity to demonstrate leadership at any level in the organization. So my next question for you, I think you may have answered this, to be honest, but if anything else comes to mind, the question is, what do you think are the most common or biggest communication mistakes that leaders make? Yeah, I think (laughs) not communicating, (laughs) right? So either assuming that everybody knows what they're thinking Mm. by not communicating that's, a, I think, a big mistake is either you feel as a leader that, you know, I'm not going to burden people with this information. I don't have all the answers yet, so I'm not going to communicate. Don't they just assume they're doing their jobs? They know that they're, no, no news is good news. All of those things fall into that bucket of not communicating enough. So if you are communicating as a leader, some of the mistakes, again, I think taking, taking the I stance instead of the we stance can be, um, can be a big uh, a big issue that that sort of directive communicating and not considering your audience. Who are you communicating to? What do they need to hear? Interesting though, because your answer to that question, I, I kept thinking I've heard from other people and I believe that this is true, that the frequency and the amount of information that's being shared by leaders actually should be amplified when there is a crisis. Like for example, the pandemic because people are working from their homes. There's a lot of uncertainty, right? People right. don't do well in, un- in uncertainty. So what should leaders be doing? They should be sharing more information more frequently. And to your last point, perhaps through multiple media, they should mm-hmm. be checking in on Zoom meetings. They should be writing it, right? They should be creating podcasts. They should be creating videos, like whatever it is, going multimedia so that however different people consume information the best, they can um, access it. So I think that's a great point. I agree. I agree. So I know that you focus in your coaching business on sage leaders. Can you tell us what you mean by sage? I am intrigued. Yeah. I love that word. And it doesn't mean the plant. (laughs) I do mental fitness coaching. And in our mental fitness coaching, we learn how to uh, tap into our inner essence, our true self. And we call that our sage. Your sage is who you are and who you've been since you were a child. It's our ability to be empathetic. It's our ability to be calm and laser focused in our actions. It's 
that curiosity, like the, the true curiosity. If I'm a sage leader and I'm asking you questions, I'm truly curious about that. I really, I don't know the answer and that's why I'm asking. Help me understand what I'm missing. I might even lead with, I, I think I know the answer to this question or I have an idea what this might be, but I'm really curious to hear what, what you're, what am I missing in this situation? So being open to that, again, it's a vulnerability to say, I don't know where this is going to go, right? But I'm going to ask the question. And for me, that's a sage leader is one who, who has that presence that creates that environment of safety and vulnerability. And, and you want to be with people who emanate a bit of that sort of wisdom and calm and peacefulness, but at the same time, create that safety. And they, they, you know, that when you're with them, that they're going to be listening to you so that they know what you need from the situation and they're listening to you and you're part of the, the ongoing solution. So as you know, Angie, because I did pre-issue to you a discussion outline, the next question that I was going to ask you is how does this relate to communication specifically? But I think you kind of answered that, right? You talked a lot about asking questions, for example, and being vulnerable. And you really made me think of something that's off script. This is getting a little bit meta, but the best podcast interviewers that I've heard, or even interviewers that you hear on the radio or maybe on the news, are the interviewers that really listen to the answers and then ask the question that they know they're genuinely curious about, as opposed to the next question on the script. Right, right. I don't know if you've ever listened to an interview where somebody answers a question and then the interviewer ask them a question that is totally unrelated. And you're like, wow, they are following a script. Yes, totally. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The richness of conversation comes from being open to and listening to what's coming versus trying to weave in whatever my script happens to be. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I love it. It's where we're panning out and we're talking about this interview in terms of sage communication. Now it's a little bit different from being a sage leader, but I think- If you want to be a sage interviewer, you need to truly listen to what the person is saying and then ask the question that you're genuinely curious about. Right. And isn't a podcaster or an interviewer a leader? Well, perhaps a thought leader. I mean, in the smallest sense, you're, you're leading the conversation, right? It's, it's your conversation to lead, but also creating that thought leadership. So uh, you could be a sage podcaster. I love that. <laughs> I love that too. And (laughs) so your description of a sage leader and a sage communicator also made me think about listening skills. And there's not just two levels of listening. There's actually four. So one is you're not listening at all. And then there's passive listening, which is kind of pretending and interjecting just to demonstrate that we might be interpreting some of what you're saying. And then there's active listening, which is being engaged and interacting on a more sort of authentic level. But then the ultimate level of listening is collaborative listening, Mm. where you're working with the other person. And this goes back to your we language, Mm. right? So you're actively working with the other person to come up with something that either one of you wouldn't have come up with on your Mm. own. So do you agree that a sage leader and a sage communicator is really focused on collaborative listening? I didn't know the term, but I was thinking that there is something beyond active listening for sure, especially, I mean, maybe it's just how we coach people on active listening because often it's 
repeat back what you heard. Yeah. And if somebody's doing that and they're just saying, so what I heard you say, and they say, it's like, oh, I'm very good at like repeating back exactly what I heard versus. That's a great point. That is a yeah. great point. That's like yeah. demonstrating active listening, but it's not collaborative. Yeah. Right. It is beyond that. It's let's see where this goes together because we both have something valuable to add to the conversation. So, okay. So I, I think yeah. I may have a collaborative idea here based on what okay. you said. Let's so do it. <laughs> I've, I've been encouraging people when they're in meetings and these days, many of the meetings are online and they receive, you know, an agenda. Here's what the agenda is. And here's what the meeting objective is. I encourage them to also write down on a sheet of paper or on their computer. I encourage them to write down what their personal objective is. So yeah. The meeting objective is for us to whatever, update the critical path or update status on whatever, whatever the make a decision, whatever the meeting objective is, and then ask themselves, what's my personal objective here? It might be, for example, to clearly communicate to everyone that unless certain timelines are met over the next week, that we're going to miss our launch. Or it might be that I want to demonstrate my expertise in something, for example, but I'm yeah. hearing that there may also be an opportunity to identify a team objective, right? Which might be different from what the actual meeting objective is. It's like the meeting objective is tactical and maybe there's a higher level objective. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, like the, the, the risk there is if I go in with my own objective, I can be so focused on that objective that I'm not necessarily listening. I'm looking for the opportunity to insert what it is that I'm trying to get across, right? Um, I, it, so it depends on the objective. I liked your objective around showing a little bit of my expertise because then there's opportunities to show that. But I think we have to be careful with that. Whereas if it's a team objective, there's three levels to me of strategy, objectives, and, and you know, purpose. It can start with my own purpose. I don't want to be part of a team unless something... I'm growing in some way. I'm learning something. I'm moving in a certain direction. So, so there's, you know, there's definitely always why, why should I participate in this meeting unless I'm going to get something personally out of it from a growth perspective? There's a whole other topic on meeting agendas. And I think we often, we're very tactical in our meeting agendas and it's bullet point. And an easy adjustment to that is put it in the form of a question. Put your, your meeting agenda point as a question and even your overall objective if you think about it in terms of a question you go in immediately with curiosity what are we trying to learn what are we trying to get out of this do we have the right timeline for this particular launch you know versus check in on the launch dates or mm -hmm. something like that right so asking questions is yeah such an integral part of being a great listener yeah right yeah. absolutely <laughs> so I'm assuming now at this point, I mean, I'm aspiring to be a sage leader and a sage communicator, and I'm assuming all the listeners are, are fully bought in as well. Mm -hmm. The last question before we get into the five rapid fire questions that I have is, do you have any advice for how aspiring sage leaders can improve their skills as an effective communicator and an effective leader? For me, all of this stuff starts with self. Well, it's, it's really, it's about mental fitness. It's about being able to, to not give in to imposter syndrome. I just read your newsletter about the crow on your shoulder. I love that. Yeah, so love yeah, that ties in a lot to, in the work that I do, we, we call them saboteurs, but it's those voices in your head. And we often get people to try and name their, 
their judge, which is the, is the main one. And I can totally see the crow being a great archetype or, you know, visual of that judge that's harping away at you all the time. So as a sage leader, if you're aspiring to be a sage leader, you're working to turn those down, do the work to, you know, improve your mental fitness. It's not about fixing your team. It's about fixing you. Uh, and it's not even fixing. It's just, a, it's, it's being stronger mentally so that you can turn down your own inner voices and move them off to the side. So you can really allow that inner essence, that sage to be present and to be leading the conversations more because that creates this almost like this aura around you of stability and peace and action like that action focus that isn't flurry it's okay we're going to hear everybody and then we're going to move forward and it's easy we move forward with ease and flow when we're all in that in that place and we've i think many of us have experienced that when you've been in the presence of somebody who creates that environment it doesn't feel hard you know we can make tough decisions we can have tough conversations because we're all in this together and we know what we're trying to do and it and it you know, we, we work through it together and we, we flow forward. So do the work yourself is really the, the, the bottom line. To be a sage leader, you start with yourself. So I feel like the conversations almost come full circle, right? At the very beginning, I asked you what communication skills set apart the most effective leaders. And you talked about instead of telling, you're actually engaging, you're using we, you're being vulnerable. And we talked about the psychological safety. And now you've added this really important insight that you can't, be projecting this unless you've done the work yourself. You've personally right. gone deep in, like you said, your, your imposter syndrome. And if that imposter or that crow is sitting on your shoulder telling you, you can't do this, you've got to show them that you're perfect. Back to what you said at the very beginning, you're not going to be able to demonstrate vulnerability. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's move on to the five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Question number one, what are your pet peeves? Yeah, great. It was a good question because originally I'm like, I don't have any pet peeves. I've worked so much on my mental fitness. Nothing bothers me anymore, which is totally crap. It's not true. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I have two. One we kind of talked about before we got on uh, into this call was about different noises. So for me, it's definitely like loud chewing or slurping drinks or whatever. I, you know, I get I get all about that. But then the other one that, that this is so funny. I used to play flag football uh, in university. And whenever we watch football on TV, there's an, I roll my eyes every time they march out the little chains and measure to the eighth of an inch the placement of the ball. And if you watch how the ball gets placed on the field in the first, it's a total pet peeve of mine. The accuracy is complete crap. Like, anyway. <laughs> That's true. They measure it after it's been put down, but who put it down? Yeah. And then they come marching out with the chains and measure it to the, like, yeah. Anyway. That is very kind of silly. funny. Yeah. Um, question number two. What type of learner are you? I, I would say mostly uh, auditory. I If I've heard stuff, I'm more likely to remember it. Um, I definitely like to do things to learn stuff. I remember it that way, but auditory for sure. Listen to a book, listen to, I had to go to class in university. I couldn't read somebody's notes or read a textbook. I had to hear it for myself. So I'm not surprised you said that because I know you're very active on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Question number three, introvert or extrovert? 
I'm definitely on the introvert side because I need to be by myself, but I'm a gregarious introvert. So I'm happy to talk. I enjoy talking to people. So I, I struggled when I was, or when I first started learning about it and I came out as an introvert and everyone's like, there's no way you're an introvert. You're so chatty. You get along with everybody and all that. And I'm like, yeah, no, but I need to, like, I moved myself down into this room in the basement so that I could be away from the noise because <laughs> it's draining. I like the quiet. I need to sit and be by myself. Okay. Question number four, communication preference for personal conversations. Yeah, as much as I love phone calls, the reality is um, I'm a texter, whether it's text or WhatsApp or something. And with my kids, it's Snapchat. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> last question. Is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most lately? Yeah. The, the one lately is uh, Adam Grant's work life and his everything on rethinking. I, I just love that. It's that open and curiosity around rethinking things constantly that growth back to the growth mindset so yeah you know what i adore adam grant as well yeah is there anything else you want to add angie about communication skills for leaders no i think it's just remain curious and open and thinking about the different ways that people like to communicate really be open be curious and listen listen more and talk less Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insights, Angie. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Listen more and talk less. Did you catch that? Such great advice. But it's not easy, is it? Well, that's why not everybody around is a sage leader. It takes some effort. Thanks again to Angie Alexander for sharing her expertise. Now, as promised... I'm going to summarize our conversation, but just briefly, I'm going to pull out three main themes that Angie shared with us. Communicating as a sage leader means listening, being inclusive, and focusing on your own mental fitness. Did you catch that? Number one, listening. Number two, being inclusive. And number three, focusing on your own mental fitness. So the first thing sage leaders do is listen. They're curious. They have what we call a growth mindset. They have an openness and a curiosity. They ask questions. And whether they're leading a team or an organization, or whether they're hosting a podcast, they ask genuine questions that they are genuinely curious about. And speaking of genuine curiosity, sage leaders are vulnerable. Yes, that vulnerability cliche that Angie so aptly pointed out Some of you are probably going to be throwing up in your mouth a little because you're so tired of hearing this term. Vulnerability definitely gets a bad rap. But as Angie points out, vulnerability is an imperative for sage leaders. She encourages vulnerability in terms of genuine curiosity and in terms of sharing, being transparent, at least 10% outside of your comfort zone. You know what? I think that's an interesting exercise to try. I'm in. The key point here, though, in terms of listening, is that sage leaders talk less and they listen more. Okay, the second key theme here is that sage leaders are inclusive. Simply put, this is about the we and the us, as opposed to the I and the you. Inclusivity is also about being empathetic, not assuming that everyone sees things through the same lens through which we see things. 
This is why going multimedia, saying things, writing things, showing things online and face-to-face across media can be highly effective. This is about considering different perspectives, different communication styles, and different ways of internalizing and learning information, being empathetic. Inclusivity is also related to psychological safety. Teams perform at their highest potential. They excel in psychologically safe environments. These environments only exist when the leader, by definition, a sage leader, creates an environment where it is safe to share a unique or distinct perspective. This sounds a lot like inclusivity, doesn't it? Considering different perspectives and different communication styles. The third and last main theme here that Angie highlights is about what she calls mental fitness. Sage leaders take responsibility for and focus on their own mental fitness. While the first two themes, listening and inclusivity, are really about being focused on others, mental fitness is about also turning that lens inward. Angie talked about when she does mental fitness coaching, she coaches her clients to tap into their inner essence, their true self, what they call their sage. That sage who listens, who asks questions, who's inclusive, who's empathetic, and who creates an environment of psychological safety. On the other hand, sage leaders also work really hard to recognize their saboteurs. I love that word. The saboteur is their judge. We're talking imposter syndrome. You know, the crow on your shoulder, the voice in your head. So mental fitness is about acknowledging your saboteur and then learning to excel. And guess what? That's it. The three communication skills of sage leaders that we learned from Angie Alexander and that we can all adopt right now are, number one, listen. Number two, be inclusive. And number three, focus on your own mental fitness. Thank you again to Angie for so generously sharing her suggestions and guidance. I don't know about you, but I'm inspired. If you want to reach out to Angie or review the summary for this episode, please check out the show notes on the talkabouttalk.com website. While you're there, I really hope you'll sign up for my communication skills newsletter. It's like getting free communication skills coaching in your inbox once a week. Sign up on the website or you can email me directly and I'll add you to the list. Email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. I love hearing from you. Suggestions, feedback, ideas, bring it on. Thanks for listening and talk soon.